calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello, everybody. Now, as I was preparing for this week's episode, I was thinking about the fact that this is the final mini episode of the year 2022. Isn't that absolutely bonkers? And I was thinking about doing a few different things for this week, you know, maybe doing like an end of the year roundup for our biggest news stories and things like that. But I feel like there were enough things going on this week that I wanted to discuss with you all that I didn't want to ignore those in order to shine a light on some of the ones that we'd already discussed We don't really need to rehash every shitty thing that happened this year. I feel like that would actually be pretty depressing. (laughs) All right, so the first thing I wanted to cover today is more on the protests in Iran. And the protests have reached their 100th day. So the first thing I wanted to cover today is that we have reached the 100th day of the protests in Iran. And I know I've been covering this story practically every week, but every week I Google, I ran protests into Google News and look to see what the updates are. And every week, any update to me feels important and it's also shocking and I believe necessary for me to continue to cover this revolution until something changes within the Iranian government. At 100 days, this is the longest-running anti-government protest in Iran since the 1979 Islamic Revolution. So this revolution from 1979, I started researching around the time that these protests really started picking up, so like in the fall, and it was something that I was going to do within like a week and then cover for you all, and I realized that, you know, I don't have a lot of knowledge of the country's history, I feel like, and its political history, for me to be able to comfortably retell that story to you all. So I think it would be something that 
I would take a little bit of time to be able to understand a little bit better myself before I guess I teach a lot of it to you all. But if that's a topic that you want me to cover or you're interested in hearing on the show, please reach out and let me know because I would be happy to start working on that. So there were a few shorter running demonstrations in 2017 and another in 20 and another in November 2019, but this one is unique in that people from every society, all walks of life, including women, are joining in on this revolution. And to me, the women have been the figurehead of this revolution, and young women in particular. I think about the many, many schoolgirls who have bravely, bravely stood up for their rights, you know, the turban tossing, the hair cutting, all of the many drastic protesting, you know, brave techniques they've been using throughout the months that to me are so heroic and brave. Those are the images that I think of when I think of this current revolution going on in Iran. At this point, more than 500 protesters, including 69 children, have been killed during the protests. Two protesters have been executed, as I've mentioned on the show, and I've read that it could be up to 100 people who are awaiting the same fate. And this is absolutely devastating to me. And I want to make a pledge right now that if this continues to happen, 100 more times, I will continue to share the names of each person that has been executed and share their story on this show until there is some sort of change within the Iranian government. To me, their executions, their killing, it is a tactic to try to scare people out of standing up for themselves, to scare people out of trying to make change and to silence people. And that is so terrifying to me. And to me, it almost just feels like the beginning of a genocide. You can't just kill people because they disagree with you or because they want a change in their government. They're fighting against a dictatorship and you're just showing us over and over and over again that you're the bad guy. So I, if I was a religious person, I would pray that I don't have to share another story of another execution because of these protests in Iran, but I have a very strong feeling that I will have very devastating news in future episodes to come. Notable people and celebrities in Iran have also been arrested after being outspoken against the execution of the protesters, including actress Tatane Elidusti, who is a famous Iranian actress who has been arrested for her participation in the protests. Pega Ahangarani, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing any of their names, I'm trying my best. Another famous Iranian actress fled the country and told BBC Persia, Iran cannot go back to pre-Masa Amini era. Fuck yes. Hamid Farakhnazad, a famous Iranian actor, moved to the United States earlier this month and immediately publicly called the Iranian supreme leader a dictator and compared him to Franco, Stalin, and Mussolini. Ali Karimi, who I've mentioned in the past, is one of the most celebrated soccer players in Iran. Iranian intelligence agents were threatening to kill him, so he moved to the States as well. 
Since moving, he has become one of the most outspoken critics of the Iranian regime on his Instagram account, which has over 14 million followers. So the government can't be too pleased about that because they really don't like the amount of social media posting people that aren't on their side are doing. Another Iranian soccer star, Ali Deeli, I think you say his last name, had his jewelry shop and restaurant shut down by the Iranian judiciary after coming out in support of the nationwide strike. Of the possible 100 people eligible for the death penalty, five women are facing the death penalty. Those women are Majgan Kavousi, a Kurdish language teacher and human rights defender who has been charged with corruption on earth? What the fuck? A prosecutor said she had been, quote, provoking people to depravity by publishing posts on social media. So, what does 2023 look like for the Iranian revolution? According to aljazeera.com, the number of street demonstrations has decreased in recent weeks, but haven't gone away, in spite of what prediction had been early on that they would fade quickly. Unfortunately, they are failing to change the foundations of the Islamic Republic. Though Iran may not be on the verge of a regime change, though I wish it was, the protests have changed the relationship between the government and its citizens, as the government has failed to address the root cause of the protests. My hope is for total revolution, for the overthrowing of the Iranian government, and freedom for the citizens of Iran once again. Now, Something that Max and I love to do together is watch stand-up comedy specials, whether it be on Netflix, HBO, or otherwise. We've probably seen every decent one ever made on every streaming site and like half of the bad ones too. So this year for Christmas, I was thinking of giving him tickets to go see a live stand-up performance from one of the comedians that we like. And as I was scrolling through ticket websites, I noticed a name jump out at me in the lineup motherfucking Louis C.K. Apparently, Paramount Plus even did a documentary on this douchebag's return to comedy. Well, now another absolute monster is looking to make their way back into the spotlight, and this time, it's Bill Cosby. Cosby made an appearance on what the Jezebel website called, quote, a tiny-ass independent radio station called WGH Talk, where the 85-year-old Cosby said he would be touring again. His rep told Variety that he wants to begin the tour as soon as the summer of 2023. And if that time comes, I am organizing protests to stand outside of every venue surrounding Los Angeles that this motherfucker is at. Cosby told the host Scott Spears, When I come out of this, I feel that I will be able to perform and be the Bill Cosby that my audience knows me to be. Womp, 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 womp. We can only assume the this he's referring to are the many, many lawsuits against him. At least 60 women have publicly accused him of raping and or drugging and or assaulting them. In 2018, he was sentenced to three to ten years in state prison, but after serving just two years, he was released in 2021. In May, he was found liable in the 1975 assault of the then 16-year-old girl at the Playboy Mansion. I just can't believe that anyone who has been in the position that he was in, especially after the Me Too era, would have even a 
opportunity to be able to come back. And I know that that was our biggest fear, but I feel like that was just such a huge movement and moment. And there's so many people that we never want to see on our screens and on our stages again. And, you know, I wonder if maybe the film industry is a little bit better regulated than any sort of like live act would be. But it's just so disheartening to me that we are allowing these people to come back into our lives in such a way that there would be people out there that would spend the the amount of money that they would have to spend to be able to see Bill Cosby perform live when you're supporting somebody who has drugged and assaulted and raped countless young women and girls and grown women. I mean, this man is absolutely disgusting. And I can't believe that he thinks even for a moment that we have any semblance of space for him in our world anymore because we don't. And I know it would be a really, really tough one, but as I was kind of preparing for this part of the episode, I was wondering if, again, this would be a topic that you would want me to cover, if you would want me to cover the whole Cosby situation or if it would be a little bit too intense. I don't know. If that's something you'd like me to cover, again, reach out. Let me know. Okay, before I move on to the final two stories, let's take a quick break. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I am back. And I want to talk about some anti-Semitic comments made by Ms. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi, whoopi, whoopi. In January, on an episode of The View, Whoopi and her co-hosts were discussing a Tennessee school board's banning of Mouse, which is that amazing graphic novel that depicts the life in a concentration camp through rat characters. It's absolutely beautiful. During the conversation, Whoopi insisted that the Holocaust was, quote, not about race, as, quote, this is white people doing it to white people. Y'all go fight amongst yourselves. First of all, the Holocaust was all about race. The Nazis codified their persecution of Jews into the Nuremberg Laws, which legally classified Jewish people as a separate and lesser race than the white Aryan race, which Hitler preferred. Now, after this, Whoopi did tweet an apology a few hours later, conceding that the Nazis did, in fact, consider Jews, quote, the inferior race. In response to her comments, Whoopi was suspended from her hosting job on The View for two weeks. I feel like that's not enough. 
On Saturday, the sixth night of Hanukkah, UK paper The Sunday Times published an interview with Obi Goldberg where she doubled down, saying the Holocaust wasn't originally about race. She said, quote, Remember who they were killing first. They were not killing racial. They were killing physical. They were killing people they considered to be mentally defective, and they made this decision. After the reporter reminded Whoopi that, quote, the Nazis measured the heads and noses of Jews to, quote, prove they were a distinct race. Whoopi stood firm, saying, They did that to black people, too, but that doesn't change the fact that you could not tell a Jew on a street. You could find me. You couldn't find them. That was the point I was making. But you would have thought that I'd taken a big old stinky dump on the table butt naked. And now I really wish that she hadn't finished what she said the way that she did, because I feel like she really is trying to make a valid point, but she's also missing the point completely. Racism affects many different people, and what she's pointing out is one of the horrific ways that black people throughout history were made to feel othered and how they were wrongly persecuted for their physical features. This does not take away from the fact that the Nazis did the same things to the Jewish people. One of my sources for this topic was a Jezebel article, and the author of the article, Emily Liebert, said it this way. Setting aside the big old stinky dump remark, it's important to understand that Goldberg herself is part of an intersecting oppressed minority group as a black woman in America. Her assertion that the Holocaust wasn't about race echoes the same messaging employed as white supremacists and neo-Nazis today. And I feel like whenever I am discussing race, it is a tricky subject, especially being on my own now as a white woman. But I do spend a lot of time doing my best to be anti-racist in every way that I possibly can. And I do feel like there has to be room at the table for everybody and for everybody's experiences to be valid and validated by other people. I don't find it fair that Whoopi Goldberg seemed to try to be competing or, you know, I I don't know what she was necessarily trying to do in that situation. But I also see where she's coming from where, you know, in today's day and age, it's not like you would necessarily see a Jewish person and know immediately that they're a different race than you. I, I, I think that's what she's trying to get at. But I also just feel like even just saying that just now felt icky to me. So the fact that she would feel comfortable enough to say that on national television and then double down on it is really upsetting to me because I I just feel like she's making great points, but they're completely separate points than what we're talking about at the moment. The Auschwitz Memorial Museum tweeted an excerpt from one of Hitler's letters on the quote, dangers currently resented by Jewry in our nation from September 16th, 1919. It says anti-Semitism as a political movement must not be and cannot be determined by emotional factors, but instead through recognition of the following facts. Firstly, Jews are definitely a race and not a religious belief. The Jew has in general preserved his race and character more rigorously than many of the peoples among who he lives. As a result, living among us as a non-German alien race, unwilling and unable to sacrifice for its racial distinctiveness, renounce its feelings, way of thinking, and aspirations, and despite this, having exactly all the political rights that we have. 
In recent years, anti-Semitic violence has grown steadily through 4chan and incel-fueled chat rooms and even over the 405 freeway. The Anti-Defamation League says that anti-Semitism has peaked at historical levels in the United States in recent years, with attacks on Jewish institutions going up 61% from 2020 to 2021. According to them, 2021 was the highest year on record for documented reports of harassment, vandalism, and violence directed against Jewish people. These record-breaking numbers are part of a consistent five-year upswing in the number of anti-Semitic incidents, which is unprecedented in the ADL's 30-plus years of data collection. On Wednesday, Whoopi released another statement, saying it was never her, quote, intention to appear as if I was doubling down on hurtful comments, especially after talking with and hearing people like rabbis and old and new friends weighing in. I'm still learning a lot, and believe me, I heard everything everyone said to me. I believe that the Holocaust was about race, and I am still as sorry now as I was then that I upset, hurt, and angered people. My sincere apologies again, especially to everyone who thought this was a fresh rehash of the subject. I promise it was not. In this time of rising anti-Semitism, I want to be clear when I say that I always stood with the Jewish people and always will. My support for them has not wavered and never will. (sighs) I don't know how much of that I believe. Now, I'm saving the best story for last. We're going to round up 2022 with a fabulous news story, but it also has some really terrible content involved in it. Former boxer and far-right asshole Andrew Tate, along with his brother, were arrested in Romania on Thursday related to sex trafficking allegations, as well as kidnapping and rape charges. If you remember from the last time I discussed Tate, he fled from Britain to Romania to avoid arrest. He had been questioned for five hours with his brother by police back in April, but they were not arrested and released. Now, this is the crime, and it's pretty terrible, so trigger warning. The Tate brothers had allegedly detained two young women, one with American citizenship and another with Romanian citizenship, back in April, where they brought the women back to their villa and subjected them to, quote, physical violence and mental coercion. Police said the brothers would lure their victims into marriages, then sexually and mentally abuse them in order to perform in exploitative videos. Authorities raided the brothers' villa on Thursday and discovered various weapons and stacks of money as well. Now, this is where the good news of this story comes in. To make his arrest even more pleasing, it may have been 19-year-old Greta Thunberg that did him in. Tate had been banned from Twitter since 2017, but of course, with Elon running things, he was allowed back in. Tate posted a picture of himself with one of his 33 cars on Twitter, tagging Greta and asking for her email address so he can send a, quote, complete list of my car collection and their respective enormous emissions. Greta, the absolute goddess that she is, hashtag Greta the goddess, hashtag goddess Greta, tweeted back, Yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com. <laughs> this tweet has gotten 2.8 million likes, while Tate's original tweet has only received 193,100 likes. 
Tate then posted a video of himself smoking a cigar in a robe and insisting that he was not at all completely owned by this teenager. In the video, two pizza boxes from a local shop in that area of Romania can be seen, which reportedly tipped authorities to his whereabouts. And now he's arrested, and hopefully Andrew Tate will end up in prison, and we can have Greta Thunberg to thank. Alright, that is the final news episode of 2022. I hope you all had an amazing year personally, and I hope that you all enjoyed this year with me as we went through a lot of changes, a lot of growth. I've also felt a lot of love and truly enjoyed myself throughout this entire year. And it wouldn't have been the same without everyone listening. So truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. If there's anything that you want me to cover in the new year, please email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. If you want to check out the merch for the show, please check out the link in the show notes. Also, if you haven't reviewed the show, that is the best way that you can possibly show your support. Go over to your Apple Podcasts app and leave a five-star review with a short sentence about why you enjoy the show, or rate the show on Spotify to show me your love. All right, everybody, that's all I have for you today. Happy New Year! With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.